The Bite Goes On is up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. This week on the podcast, we're talking all about pizza in Naples, Italy. Plus, I share with my guest Fiorella Squalante one of my pizza crackpot theories. I'm glad I didn't say, no, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You were worried there for a minute. Yes. (laughs) Find out my theory about Naples pizza and the best places to get it. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey with my friend, Sandra Bernstein. Sandra, how are you doing this week? Oh, my God. I lost every single adjective. I lost good, great, fun friend, um, best we're, friend, we're, every every adjective. I'm we're just getting right to business. Head. I want to talk about cheese. Are you kidding? All right. I, I do, too, actually, because I haven't had a lot of cheese in the last nine months. Really not much at all. So um, limiting, you've been limiting yourself on the cheese, I think. Well, I'm not a limiter. You know, if it's here, I eat it. It's just, they don't make cheese is definitely in the drug (gasps) category for you. I just (laughs) thought of a new business. I just thought of a new business. So if you are, you know, someone that has to watch their weight and you have to go to this little minimalist thing, instead of these virtual tastings that all these winemakers are doing, you have a kind of a, a, you get these miniature little cheeses and miniature little charcuterie and things that you can have in moderation, but you don't have the rest of it in the house. So you just like mess it up. And it's like your weekly treat. Seriously. Oh my God. I got to find a, maybe Noom will do it. Anyway, I digress. Um, I'm excited because one of my very, 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 very favorite cheeses in the world, um, Laura Chanel Chev, who we have had on the menu for 23 years from day one. Um, We have not changed our fig salad recipe, not once. And um, we have... Oh, Manon. Is it Manon? Manon, no, no, it's okay. Manon. I know. I, I just keep pronouncing everyone's names wrong for like the last month. It's terrible. But um, so you're going to have to explain the shift, the change, um, you know, because when we first started and you're, you're with corporate. So, you know, Laura Chanel has turned from a very small thing to a very, very large international company with other brands, which you'll tell us about. But, um, you know, in the beginning, I mean, Laura used to actually come in the restaurant, you know, we would be like, you know, have to VIP, Laura Chanel's in the house, you know, and she's so laid back and down to earth. She didn't want to be a VIP. She's like, whatever, you know, um, and she still, I see her name on the reservation list every once in a while, not this year, but, um, you know, everybody does get all flustered. Like we have a celebrity in the house and a um, lot to be said about that because she really was the first, I think, real artisanal cheesemaker that on the market. But anyway, this is your expertise. So I'm going to let you tell us what you do. Tell us blah, blah, blah. 
<laughs> okay, I'm always in for cheese. So, um, so my name is Manon, and I'm the marketing director of uh, Laura Chanel, Marin Franchise, and Saint Benoit Creamery. So, um, obviously, I'm passionate about cheese. Um, I'm French, as you can hear, and I actually arrived in the US like uh, four years ago, and um, I was already start working in cheese in France. And what's a good place to learn about cheese and to be passionate about cheese than France, you know? It's, uh, we love that every time of the day, every day in the year. Uh, so it's what really bring me here. Um, and so the, I was, the company actually was saying like Laura Schnein did really started in the late seventies. Um, she was from Sebastopol originally. And she, at her parents' farm, she had like few goats and she really loved the goats and the animal. It all started with the love for the animal. But she wasn't a really big fan of the milk. You know, the milk of the goat, sometimes it could be like a little bit stronger in terms of taste. So she was really, as she traveled to do her study in Europe, she discovered goat cheese in France. Um, and she came back and she tried in, in the US to make some goat cheese like she tasted in France. And she wasn't really successful <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the right beginning. She, so she decided to go back to France and learn, spend a full year to learn with four uh, cheesemakers. So she went in four different farms to learn how to uncraft uh, good cheese. Wow. And which is very, very funny is that is just later on, the, our just past uh, CEO, Philippe Chevrolier, um, who originally he was like a farmer of goats and she actually like 40 years ago went to his farm in France to learn how to make goat cheese. Oh, it's so wow. funny because like during the past year it was, was him taking over Laura Chanel business. So it's really, you know, really like uh, it's kind of like a wink, you know, <laughs> finally at the end we are exchanging our business. Yeah. So he helped her at the beginning and he took over at the end. Mm. Um, and so when she came back from uh, her year of learning good cheese, how to make good cheese in France, she started uh, here and more mostly locally. And she uh, started by because at, at the time, like good cheese was not something. Like yeah. everyone wanted goat cheese. There were goats for show and farmings, but not for cheese consumption. And so she really like opened a new area. Um, she's Laura Chanel, she's literally the pioneer of goat cheese in the US. And the first, actually her first big order, she started in the farmer's market and her first big order was when Alice Waters um, ordered weekly, it was 50 pounds at the time of wow. fresh goat cheese to make the California goat cheese salad that she was on the menu of the menu of Chez Panisse. And I think it's still on the menu of Chez Panisse today, yeah. the cafe. Yeah, so the bread, has, breaded, the breaded yes. breadcrumbs and the, yeah. Yeah, and that was the beginning. And I think none of them was knowing that they were starting a whole business and movement about goat cheese. Mm -hmm. uh, and so after like many chefs of, you know, took over and take and bring on the goat cheese, and it was really like a, a big, yeah, a big start. And as of today, uh, the food service is uh, still one of our first customers. Mm. Uh, there is almost more food service than retail in the good cheese. And when you think about it, consumer actually 
when they tell you they have tried good cheese, they usually try good cheese at the restaurants, at mm -hmm. the table. It's not something that they are going to naturally at the first, you know, in the retail. They are not really used to it. And it's also, we know that overall in our consumption, you know, the percentage of household that is consuming uh, good cheese in the U.S. is actually very small. It's just 10% of the household. So there is still a lot of room to grow yeah. and develop yeah. there. <laughs> you have huge marketing ability. Your job is totally set. It's where we are like four years. Yeah. <laughs> is that mostly... Is it mostly like the coast? Is it California, New York, something like that? So today, yes, the consumption are mostly on the coast. Uh, I think it even like the consumption on the West Coast is very strong. And it has been driven, you know, by all the history and all the amazing cheesemakers that we have around because there is Laura Chanel, there is us, but there is also Redwood Eats, Cypress Grove, you know, those names that are very well known in goat cheese and are doing a beautiful job too. Um, so locally, we have been being very lucky with good cheese. Mm -hmm. And after you go on the other coast and you have the other maker like Vermont Creamery, or you have also like uh, Montchevre that are on the other coast. So the business is clearly on each uh, and the consumption on each, uh, each coast. In the middle of the country, there is not much makers and there is not much uh, consumption of good cheese. Mm -hmm. Well, I think also like people started tasting goat cheese because they were having like cow lactic dairy issues and they were looking for milk and they were looking for yogurt, um, cheese. And I think that was a really good assist for people trying it if they hadn't tried it in a restaurant, if they heard in yeah. a health food store or something like that. Well, yes. And you know, yes. Sandra, um, we, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, we actually, after um, my daughter was born and my wife was breastfeeding, after about a year, the way we weaned her off of breast milk was with goat's milk because we heard that it was a, um, there was an easier transition and they were getting more um, um, natural things out of the, it was a more natural product. And, and she, so she grew up from the time she was one years old. Yeah, um, that's having, what she's goat's the... milk. That's why she's a vegetarian. No, well, not yet. <laughs> That's why she's so Almost. smart. That's yeah. why she's so smart. Uh -huh. yeah. Because she's so smart. Yeah, that's yeah. why she's yeah. so smart. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's true. All the the pediatrists uh, just um, recommend good cheese when some when a kid has uh, issue with cow milk, and uh, so they recommend to transition to goat milk just because the goat milk the the protein and the fats, the lens of the, the cellules are like more similar to the human one. So it's more easily digestible for us, for human, than the cows. Mm -hmm. And actually it's not really also not very fat as a, as, a, as a cheese and as a milk. And so that's why overall goat milk is better for the human because it's really rich in proteins, it's really rich in minerals, and it's got those most similarities with the human uh, milk. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So, and it's like actually the, the milk A2 also, the Jersey cow milk, you know, that is really well known for mm. being more uh, easy digestible. It's also because of those chain of protein mm. uh, that are smaller and are a better fit for us. Now, wait a minute. So this is like the science of, of goat's milk. Like how much, how much of your background is in actual like science and lab kind of stuff? 
So my background is not in science and lab. I've done an MBA in the business school, so I'm not in the science and lab. But we have a team of R&D, uh, a team of R&D composed of one person, <laughs> a team of one, a big team, but who has studied really food and science in France. Uh, and uh, she's spent all her background studying uh, this, and she's the one you know, uh, giving us all the information and the background. And she's the one working also on our, our recipes and, and with working with all our cultures and all of this. She's really passionate about mold. <laughs> yeah, because it's fermentation basically, right? It's like, yes. uh, yeah. It's, ferment it's a cultural product. Yeah. It's really basically it's fermentation. It's what, that's why in the, actually on the final cheese, you don't have lactose. You know, some person are lactose intolerant, mm -hmm. so they cannot really consume milk, but they actually can do consume cheese because cheese, the ferment and the culture that you put in are going to eat the lactose to transform it and make the, the, the milk change the proteins and the, all the, the, the little construction of the cheese. And that's why there is like almost 0% of uh, lactose in, in the cheese at the end. And yeah. the drier the cheese is, the less you have. Yeah, it's so fascinating to me how it can be so, so goaty and then not goaty. I mean, people that go, oh, it's so goaty, they actually know. There's like a, you know what you're talking about when you say that, like how strong it is and how- Or like a, like a tang. There's a, yeah. a, a tang, sharpness to tangs, it. Yeah. But, but you know, like, there is a lot of parameters that goes at the end on that taste. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you can always taste, it's funny, at, at work we do it a lot, we taste our cheese compared to the competitors, so we go in the store, we purchase everyone, and we taste, and I can say that L'Orageinal has really that signature taste, which is very fresh, mild, and lightly citrusy and tangy, but light, it's not really light, right. right? it's more on the lighter taste. And this is, so this is where you have like kind of the secret, the secret of the cheesemaker. Um, it's the way you handle your milk since the day of milking and your curding day and where you transform the milk in cheese. And all the parameters here are very, very important. So for instance, like how long it takes uh, between the milk, uh, the milk, the milk, the goat, milking the goats and the milk transformation. Um, how much your milk travel, mm. what are the goats eating, how are they treated, oh, everything is really starting with the farmers and the animal. Uh, because if a milk, you know, when you, you, you transport your milk in those big tanks, if your tank is not full and you have a lot of miles to go, so that means your milk is going to move a lot in that tank. And then maybe it's going to start oxidized or it's going to start maturated. And the more your milk mature, the more it will have that goaty taste. Right. And you mentioned the goats eating. What are they eating? So the goats, so we are working with, um, so we have uh, partnering with 11 family farmers um, that are located all in the West US. So mostly in California, Nevada. Um, and all of them, approximately 80% of the diet of the goat is alfalfa. Alfalfa. Alpha alpha, the goat need to chew on something. Uh, they love that. So, and we just, when we meet them, we complement them with a bit of grain. 
just to make sure they have all the protein, you know, and all the nutrients that they need to produce a good quality milk. But it's really, really important. Each time we receive milk, we analyze the milk. Okay, we taste it first, you know, for antibiotics and all of this. But we also test, we look at the level of protein, the level of fat uh, that there is in the milk. Because this is really going to impact at the end your final result and how you make your goat cheese. Mm -hmm. So, Do you milk the goats all year round or is it seasonal? There is always a season in goat's milk, uh, even if there you, you milk, but the, the peak, you know, you start to milk a lot of goats in February, mm -hmm. February until end of summer. It's really like the peak of the season. And it's where also we have the more milk. Uh, mm -hmm. And then December, it's where we have the less milk. Okay. And does it taste different in those other months? Does the milk taste a little bit different? So it's slightly it's not the taste that is the most it's more like the content of the milk and how much protein and how much uh fat you have actually in the milk mm. so usually you are we have we have a, a milk that is more rich in solids end of year because there is a less quantity so it's kind of more concentrate and the rest of the year it's like more uh it's a little bit less uh less less solid in the milk well can we go into the history of of Laura Chanel and Marin French. I think Marin French is is the oldest continuous cheesemakers in the United States, right? Yes, Marin French has been established in 1865. Uh, and where? In the beautiful hills of Marin County in the X Valley. It's called X Valley. It's at the cross, uh, you know, between uh, Petaluma Pontrias Road and the Novato, the road for Novato. And it's an amazing, really amazing ranch of 700 acres uh, that is uh, completely uh, protected. Uh, today, we have uh, farmers on the ranch that are enjoying the land and the beautiful land of, and rich land of Marin County. Uh, so we have a veggie farm, uh, farmer growing veggie, vegetable, organic uh, that are selling on farmer's markets. We have cows. Uh, that's are from our neighbors. So he put his usually his young cows are grazing our field. Then we have a, also a pig, someone who's um, <laughs> yes. We have like we have everything, but you know it's very historical. Having pig next to a creamery, yeah. it's something that is always has been historical because usually pig are fed with the whey of the milk because on the way when we and mostly when we do like brie and and you know camembert, there is still a lot of proteins in the whey. And so they historically feed them to the pig. It was the easiest way to be eco-conscious in, uh, in, uh, in trashes. <laughs> and Sandra, even your chef Jeremy, I know in the past has done a whey braised pig before where he'll use the whey to actually braise Yeah, meat. Pork, pork chops or, yeah. 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 All they need, they are very good after. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember as a kid, so growing up in Petaluma, that was one of the field trips that we would do every year was to go out to Marin French cheese. And so all the kids would be running around feeding the ducks and the geese, uh, whatever, whatever was out there. And then we got to taste all the cheese sitting at the little picnic tables out there. It's, it's unchanged, you know, it's still yeah. the same. We still have that beautiful barn that people can enjoy picnic. Well, this year has been obviously uh, more complicated because usually we also have events. Some people are taking their wedding pictures. Then we receive like big events, big barbecue. Um, but well, this year is really different, but it doesn't change. It's yeah. 
the place is still there. And so you were right, it's the oldest creamery in the US uh, that we are uncrafting artisan brie and camembert. And it's also have been the first uh, international brie to one competition wow. of French cheeses, the French brie. And what year was that? So it was 2005. 2005, the triple cream of marine Frenchies won at the World Cheese Award in front of the French breeds. So it's how did, how did, unique. So, so you're a little torn about that? <laughs> I'm sure the French did not like that at all. No, no. <laughs> it's, it's like the wine competition years ago where California just kind of snuck in there. Yes. Um, well, I had to go to the other room to get my um, badge. So, and and I know people listening can't see it, but I have my. Um, I got this wow. actually. Hey, like yes. De yes. <laughs> and I received my award at Marin French at a very large um, award ceremony. And they all had on these like monk um, outfits. I was like, oh my God, are you going to make me wear one of those? I was freaking out. But um, I actually, it's funny, I was going through pictures. I wore this one year when we were in Paris and we were at the Salon de Agriculture. Oh, <laughs> which you've been, I'm sure, a million oh, times. Oui, yes. Oh my God. I can say that is in the top five places favorite of my life is yes. to be there. And if I can, I, I don't think I can do it justice by explaining, but if you figure like there are 10 football fields or 15 football fields and every football field has something a little different. Like you have one that's like all pigs and piglets and one that's all different chickens and one that's all the cattle and then then you have the cheesemakers and then you have all these regions of France where you know the cooking of Normandy and the cookie cooking of Provence and oh my god the raclette I've been a couple times because I absolutely love it unfortunately it's getting very 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 crowded the last time I was there it was just like this is insane you know, it's like I would pay like I'd probably pay a thousand dollars to like be able to go there with like less people and like really go like and be like, OK, I'm going to pay for 25 people worth. So keep them out <laughs> while I'm in there. <laughs> but it's the liquors and the Pinot de Chiron and the cognacs and every region yeah. of France yeah. is represented with their products, with their animals. And then you have these other football fields, they're indoors mostly, of tractors and gardening equipment and science and people teaching cooking. It is, it's in January, at the end of January every year. So we would try and tag on, um, didn't always work, but like Découvert, was um, in March. So, well, we weren't in France for a month, but somehow we did tag once or twice, but it was the best. So I did, I wore my badge in, in um, while I was walking around and typical of me, I would be like, 
with the cheesemakers. I'm like, do you have one of these? (laughs) (laughs) And then the people from Camembert, they wanted to take pictures with me. And, you know, I'm like, how many times am I going to wear my ribbon? You know, we love, we love ribbon in France. I'm sure you have many. (laughs) This is, this is. And so they do one for the cheesemakers. They do one. um, Mine is for, um, selling cheese, like being a advocate for cheese. So I appreciate that they understood that about me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, it's we need everyone to like on the train. We need the cheesemaker, but we need also the people who are going to be advocating the cheese. Mm-hmm. We need the makers, and it's what actually the salon agriculture is about. It yeah. starts really from the animal and all the equipment until the end. And what you will find, all the salon agriculture is about terroir. Right. you will find the expression of each terroir that you will find in France. Mm. And it's really like, you know, we have a lot of uh, DOP cheese or AOP mm. uh, cheeses where you, it's all about terroir. You need to have, you know, your good grazing like 20 miles away from your, your, your farms. You need to respect all the very traditional cheese making process. So that, there is a very lot of specification to be able to get there and have those, those cheeses. So it's what makes that, I think that salon really amazing is oh. that in one place you travel so much. Oh yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And everyone, it's about food. Everyone is craving food. You have food and wine all day. Everywhere. Oh my God, the oysters and the, the oysters. oysters. Too. oysters. Oh. oh my God, just in the Brittany area. And then, um, I mean, literally we went from oysters to raclette. Yes. And then to cassoulet. And it was so insane. I'm just trying to imagine the smells going on. Oh, it smells, I think, between barnyard and salsi sun. The salumi salon, they're hanging everywhere. And everybody wants you to taste their thing. Everyone. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, it's it's so the prosecco, prosciutto, everything. Uh, everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I just want to be there right now. Yeah, me too. Now I want to go. Now I want to go. Travel. <laughs> yeah, maybe during. Yeah. So, is your family um, still in France? So yes, my family, all my family member are in France. And you haven't been able to visit at all or no not at all so it's i've been last last time that i was in france was last christmas so it's gonna oh. be one year without uh, seeing anyone or being able to go there because if we go one way we're not sure to be able to come back <laughs> so, right <laughs> <laughs> so i still want to stay here so, <laughs> so yeah. um and you do you live in petaluma I live in Petaluma, Pengrove, yeah. exactly. In Pengrove, yeah. The um, and w- where did you grow up in France? I grew up in Bordeaux, uh, and actually a little bit on in the in Medoc, actually, which is a uh-huh. wine, wine region um, in 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 France. So that's why I really always been in kind of the wine country, and being here for me, it's kind of the same. I feel like somehow home because it's. You are surrounded by vineyards. You are surrounded by people who love, you know, the craftsmanship and stuff like that. So I just feel feel home in this way. How did you go cheese instead of wine? 
Like you could, you were like, uh, uh, uh. It's, it's a good, it's a very good question. Um, I actually started when I was doing my business school, I started by working for a champagne company, uh, Piper and Charlotte Sick. Uh, uh, so a part of uh, Rémi Cointreau group. And the, I, I really enjoyed champagne. Champagne, it's, there is a way of living because my business school was in Reims. So it's, um, it's where we are making champagne. And there is way, really a, a way of living there also. You start, you go everywhere. At 10 a.m., they offer a champagne every time. You have <laughs> every meal. They're <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh-huh. It was amazing. I completely discovered champagne. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I loved it. So I worked there. And I, was, I wanted to do more marketing and learn more about marketing. And actually, in champagne, it's more about events. And you don't have really the ends about on all the product mix because you have the winemakers and winemakers, they really do what they want to do and feel do. So, and I wanted to learn more about marketing and it's how I finally after worked for uh, United Biscuits, which is an um, English corporation doing biscuits, just to learn more about, you know, the consumers, how, what are the, all the techniques behind marketing and the strategy. And uh, so I worked in Paris there for four years uh, for that group. And after is the family Tribala who owns Rion. Uh, they contacted me to move to Bourges, which is in the middle of France. It's a little like Rion is actually a town in France or yeah, it's really a town. Like there is, I think, 700 people living <laughs> in the town. Wow. So it's very, very, very small. <laughs> It's a village, actually, in France. We could have been. <laughs> so I, I went there, and it's where I discovered, because what I was missing, I love the terroir. I really love that. And I love people who have a passion. And you didn't have that in, in biscuits. You know, it's not the same. Maybe the people who started the company years ago did have a passion, but it was like, for me, like, I didn't find myself. It was too big. I was missing that connection to the land and the terroir. And so that's why when actually uh, Rion called me and I was interested by, by this, by changing that and going in that terroir. And so I stayed like to work for them two years in France and moved after here. So now it's been like seven years, actually, a little bit, a little bit less, almost seven wow. years. Oh, so you started with this company in France. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and how did how did Marin French then acquire Laura Chanel? So it's the opposite. So it's the opposite, actually. So the Laura Chanel in 2006, she was willing to retire. Uh, and so she was looking for someone to acquire her company. And she was really, she didn't want to, you know, she was not really, you know her, she wasn't really looking for money. It wasn't the same. She wanted looking for someone she can pass on the company and the value and someone who was, would be able to carry over her value and all the amazing job that she spent and her whole lifetime to build. Mm-hmm. And so it's how when she um, met with Hugues Tribala, so Hugues is the, today the owner and the president of the company. And is actually the first generation is a cheesemaker, mm-hmm. and is really passionate about you know his company. So in France, Rion, it's a small company, 
Um, we are very independent, which is today doesn't really happen compared you know, to those big groups like Nactalis and all those huge corporations. Mm -hmm. uh, so he really cares about terroir um, and he is passionate about uh, all the AOP. So we have also very tiny creameries in France that are specialized on AOP cheese and mostly of goat cheese. So obviously when Laura Chanel came to him, she was like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's how it started and they really matched and uh, she really felt that he was the right person to took over after her and that she, he will just honor you know, her commitment. And actually at that time, Laura Chanel was still in uh, Clover Starnetta old building you know, in Sonoma that's unfortunately burned like a few years ago. Yeah. And he right away invested in creating a new creamery uh, in Sonoma uh, to have uh, uncrafted all the Laura Chanel goat cheeses. And he did in a way that Laura Chanel would have done. You know, he really like that new building is old made, very like sustainable. It's the first creamery in the US to be LEED Gold certified. I don't know if yeah. you're familiar with the LEED Gold and it's the first and I see, I think to, as of today, it's still the only one creamery in the US to be LEED Gold certified. So all the power is supplied, you know, by the, we have solar panel on the roof. We have like water recycling uh, system. And there is uh, windows in the creamery to have natural lights. The interior of the creamery is made with recycled redwoods. So it has been really like very carefully made and it's a beautiful state-of-the-art creamery that we have today. And it's a beautiful view on the vineyards. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's of, amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. The facility is is so great. Yeah. yeah. It's such, yeah, it's such, you know, it's really, it's really showed a commitment. He hasn't moved like the creamery. You can say, okay, California is too expensive. Let's move to another state. No, no, no. Wanted to keep the roots of right. what makes Laura Chanel. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Sonoma makes Laura Chanel, you know, that Sonoma is yeah. also like a big foodie area and it's where we want to be. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was in 2006 when uh, Laura Chanel has been acquired by uh, Ultribala. And mm -hmm. later on in 2011, um, he acquired Marin French cheese. He had like already that step, first step in the artisan local cheese. And so first up, Jim Boyce at the time, who was uh, the owner of uh, Marine French, was unfortunately uh, sick and looking for someone to take over. And so it's where Hugues uh, Tribala came. And actually at the time, there were other bigger corporations like uh, Savancia, who uh, was willing to purchase that uh, company and that finally that he didn't pass over to those big corporations, he passed over to like the more the family owned uh, cheesemakers. And the occurs, latest, I'm sorry, it just oh. occurs to me with all this shopping that your company probably wants um, a country French restaurant in Sonoma. <laughs> Do you have an offer to, to make someone? Someone's looking to retire. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I don't know. That could be a good fit. <laughs> Maybe we can do like we can do. Oh, we don't have a, a store for Laura Chanel. We need a store for Laura Chanel. We can have some aging room there on top and direct. From, from the cave to the plate. Yeah. Uh -huh. Location, location, right there on the corner. Exactly. Oh, that's funny. 
um, I digress. So, um, yeah. Now, when did Laura ever taste the cheese after um, you all were making it? And was she fine right away? Did she think the quality stayed the same or did it take a little while to like get her tech, her specific technique? So, so obviously, you know, uh, the, the, we had a period of transition uh, when the acquisition happened and she was, uh, she just sell actually the cheese making and not her, her goats. So when we were at Clover Storneta, she was still herding the goats on the backfield and, uh, and we were taking care of the operation. And so she was uh, still around the creamery at that time. And later on, she did indeed, she still, you know, taste the cheese and purchase it. Um, but the, the thing that she's not a big fan, she's not a big fan of the flavor. <laughs> she's, she's a purist. Mm. She, she loves the plain goods. Not yeah. the the, oh, the, finger, the la- yeah. yeah the yeah. fig one I can, I can see that yeah <laughs> with the yeah. fig one and the other one that's that was not really at at her taste <laughs> well and for those people that that don't know Laura um, for her it truly was all about the goats I mean they were her friends it was the love of her life was those goats and I think she even probably had names for all of them. And, and that was her true passion was the goats. And I think when she retired, I can totally see that she's, she could say, okay, I'm taking my babies. <laughs> you guys can have the name and I'm just going to live with my babies and take care of them. Yeah. And she, she had like uh, 400 to 500 goats uh, that she was herding. And still today, I think I, she actually keep them for like maybe two years. And after it's our other farmers that, take some of her goods when she wanted to retire totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and today we still have uh, among our employees, um, some employees that have been working with her and we have like Adriana. Uh, t- today she is taking care of all our farmers and she was she actually started with Laura Chanel taking care of the goods of Laura Chanel, you know, of the breeding and everything, feeding them and taking care of them. And still, she stays with us and she's still taking care of our other farmers. Mm-hmm. So she gives advice on how to take care of the goats. And, you know, she visits them several times a year to make sure that everything is fine and right. And so it's a really key person for us. Yeah. All right. So now who comes up with the new products? Like Sandra was just talking about, I think, the fig and grapefruit or the, the yogurt um or the the there's like a quadruple cream brie or something like who who gets to do you get to taste all these things when they're when they're coming up with these new products oh yes it's our job you know <laughs> <laughs> it's really our job i have to say <laughs> so, yes the the usually the new products it's it can come two two main ways uh, either it's like the R&D who's thinking or, you know, the R&D and cheesemaker, they're very close. Huh? I call it R&D because it's a specific uh, position um, that who come like, oh, I have an idea. We should try that. And sometimes they try something on their ends and then bring to us and say, OK, that's that's yes, there is potential there. Let's let's go for it. Or it's the other way. Um, we are looking, you know, at where is the market evolving? You know, what are the consumption and people what they are looking for. 
And so we bring and we bring back to the team. So let's try to make that. Uh, for instance, like on the, on the low rationale ends, I would say that one is very like uh, more classic. It was we did the garlic and chive goat cheese. I think in the market, this is something that is very classic that we didn't have in our range. So we just added that one to our range and we have been like very uh, successful on launching that uh, new goat cheese. Everyone loves it. But after there is more specific, there is like you say, like the goat yogurt. For instance, the goat yogurt, um, we, we can see that people are drive by um, looking for more healthy uh, option of dairy. And so goat milk is the perfect one. And so that's why we decided to uncraft the ghost yogurts made with probiotics cultures that are very uh, high. So just to ensure very that healthy, healthiness and claim and to feed those person that are looking for that. So it's really comes the, it, it can come the other way of, um, we also created from our franchise the Brian Crut. And the Brian Crut, actually the idea came when we met at an event uh, the person from La Boulangerie, La Boulangerie in San Francisco, and we were discussing and they said, oh, we should try to do something together. But okay. <laughs> and it's how it came, that idea of uh, Briancourt that is today, like you can see it right now, it's, uh, it's an holiday uh, item that you can see on the oh. shelf right now. Wow. It's just one of our best sellers. It has been now like two years that we are doing it. It's we have a huge success on it and it's a beautiful, it's made in the croissant dough, so it's completely decadent. It's lovely. <laughs> I remember sitting in I, either one or two of like a test group of new products. Um, I remember, I think we were doing something for food service. Yeah. Um, was it the brie? I think it was the brie cuisine. I think, yes, yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan. No, and it hasn't been a success. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, you know, I realized then that I didn't want to be on a taste panel again after that because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, you know? It's just like I love so much, but yeah. it was, um, well, it's, it's interesting because you either, I mean, the cheese business, I think it's fascinating because you either have the direct consumer, they go to the market, they see what they want and they buy it. And so that's one stream. And then you have the, the chefs really, you know, or people that are using it as an ingredient in their cooking, you know, whether it's on a ship or in a hotel or, you know, standalone restaurants. Um, and that's a whole nother level. And typically they need bigger sizes, um, more cost effective, less packaging. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it makes sense. And then, I don't know, when you have to deal with all the distributors and the cold chain system and then wholesalers and, oh my God. It's very complex. And you're right, we have two two target markets and so yes we have the consumers that are the retail stop but the chef have a big you know they're a big um, consumer for us mm. um, everything started with the chef so it's really and it's actually 
the most difficult to uh, bring new proposition for a chef because chefs do their own creation. Exactly, exactly. So chef needs something that is versatile, that yeah. is, as you say, cost effective, big, you know, in the bigger packaging. And this is versatile that I can use in many different recipes that is consistent, mm -hmm. always tastes good. So because their recipe counts on that ingredient to succeed. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really important. And, and, you know, it's what we are very careful about the quality of our product mm -hmm. to be very consistent in terms of flavor, uh, where we're using like extremely fresh milk for um, crafting the Laura Chanel Chef Chef Chef, which is the classic, it's a staple for the, I think, for the restaurant since my like first years. favorite, <laughs> yeah, my absolute. And it's the same, it, it is. I've never, I mean, not that I eat it every day, but I've never heard any of our chefs over 23 years ever say, wow, this is a really strange batch, you know, like what happened here? I mean, I guess it could happen, but... I don't, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. But that's where after like, no, you were speaking about all the distribution system. It's very complex. That's, that's why there, there is, um, you know, there is the distributors and after there is the retailers and you have those logistics chain. So let's be honest, 90% of our business is on the West Coast. So or already it's more simple for us to cover the West Coast yeah. than crossing the Rockies and mm -hmm. going on. We do a little bit of business on the East side, but it's not where we are mostly. So we are on the, on the West and we try to make the West and make it good and, you know, be delivering the high quality product that we want. Mm -hmm. Because we know that the, the logistics chain there is way easier for us. Right. Um, because on trucking, you know, just trucking, you have like one week to cross the country and sometimes the truck stop and the refrigeration stop. And if that's happened, that's not good for your product. Right. So we just, you know, really careful about this. And so we always have, it's more simple for us to stay, um, stay on the West. And that's why all the packaging that we see there, the cheese is actually vacuumed in its packaging. It's because it really helps about uh, to preserve the cheese and its flavor. It's the right. way for us to have something that tastes the most fresh as possible. Right, and and doesn't it also maybe stop the change of you know because I always think of cheese as a living thing, and you know the littlest bit of air that cheese is going to change the way it tastes, the way it feels, and so I would think like it's vacuumed keep it kind of, it's like putting it in a coma, you know, until, <laughs> until you resuscitate it and mm -hmm. unseal it um, and let it live again. Yeah, actually it's, the vacuum is part of it because when you vacuum, you remove the oxygen. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the culture needs usually oxygen, so that helps. But also the temperature, the temperature mm -hmm. is really key cold. because cold, yes, because yeah. culture like the heat and they like, you know, at Marine French, uh, it's like amazing when you go in the different room of the cheese making where we are molding the cheese and curding the milk. It's mm -hmm. so warm. It's like 82, 82 yeah. degrees always, yeah. all year round. Yeah. It's warm. And after you start to change room and you slow down and you change your parameter of aging, it's just because you want different things from the culture. At the beginning, you want them to be super live, super active, do that transformation. 
So you eat them and you give them the environment that they like. And after you just, you want to calm down them. And so you just freeze them <laughs> so they can stay there. Yeah. Stay take a chill. Yeah, take a chill. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we recommend also usually, you know, to bring to room temperature the cheese before you eat them and enjoy them. It's Such a difference. Such a difference. The it, flavor it drives me flavor. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and I love like, the packaging on the the Laura Chanel Chef. We just get the traditional, the little, yeah, the little log because I almost treat it like a toothpaste tube. I just cut, <laughs> I just cut a little slit in one end, and then I can squeeze it onto Ooh, whatever. Another business, a ah, little perfect. cheese like a toothpaste parlor. You can that would be cookies. awesome if they put a little cap on the end for me. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> The little shabby, the pillow, the pillow one also is great for that. You just squeeze it out. Exactly. On top yep. of a soup or, you know, it's. Yeah. So- <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, do you remember, was there one, do you remember a particular, a particular product that, that they were trying for R&D and, you, and it just didn't work for one reason or another? <laughs> uh, th- there is like, <laughs> I've tried many different recipes. <laughs> So I found very, very interesting one, like um, a matcha, matcha goat cheese. Oh, whoa. Yeah. And so when you pass the cutter, the green cutter, um, it actually tastes good. It tastes very good. But um, we didn't launch and pursue that because on the aging, it was turning brown. Oh. And it was not appealing at all. Yeah. So I think we have tried, you know, many uh, because that's with fresh goat cheese you can you can really play, and yeah. you can really try so many different recipes. Mixed wasabi. With- yes. <laughs> no, we, we did wasabi. I we did even one a pear and chocolate, and that was good. I loved it. Yeah. Pear, pear and chocolate was amazing. Um, we had like many other like we did with chipotle. Uh, like a kind of smoky flavor too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that th- there is like a bunch of uh, of them, but the matcha one just I really remind it for the yeah. right. <laughs> So, what does your job entail? Like, I mean, you're the marketing director of a very big company, and um, you know, are you constantly having to think of new promotions? Or are you just working on the brand, keeping the brand? Um, so. We are at different uh, level. Uh, so first, we the first thing is that we look at the market always. So that's why we are, we are collecting data from the retail store, what is selling, what is not selling. Mm-hmm. And from there, we kind of try to analyze the trends and mm-hmm. see what the consumer wants and where it's evolving. You can, you can, like, I can tell you that recently we see that on the yogurts, um, it's the big serve, you know, having everyone at home, everyone's uh, consuming at home, mm-hmm. their, the other online at jump, but also the way they're consuming, the, the single serve are not are declining currently. And it's really the big serve because you're at home, you're drinking with your family. Right. You don't need that little two on the go that is right. easy to grab and go. So right. it's all of this that we are kind of always looking mm-hmm. And uh, from there, we are looking if we know where we are, how we are doing on the market. We are working after about the brand positioning. We are working on what the what are the core value of the brand. Where do we want to bring that brand? Because mm. a brand, it's not only products. 
it's you know about commitments and what do you stand for and so this is what we want to push and what we want to stand for and this is yes we can do that under Laura Chanel or no we cannot mm-hmm. and there is many things that we don't allow ourselves to do uh, on Laura Chanel and we want you know focus really on high quality uh, cheeses that has a certain taste and we will not compromise on quality and taste and after when we look at brand positioning, after we manage all the communication, so all the social media, the websites, uh, all of this to make sure that everything is good. And we also uh, define kind of a roadmap of for innovation and what will be the next products for Laura, where do we move? Like for us, one of the big moves was entering the uh, yogurt category. For the consumer, it doesn't seem like a big move. You know, that's why it's funny because, but for us, it's, we never done that before. We never done that good milk yogurt before. So it was really like something new. It's a new, you know, it's a different uh, way of making, you know, have different equipment. It's it's a lot of uh, investments. And so you need, it's what the marketing does. It's driving overall the strategy of the the brand and the company. And what about goat's milk? Have you guys ever sold the milk in cartons? Like we were talking about earlier that that's what we would give my daughter when she was younger. And we, there wasn't a lot of um, choices. No, we never, we never uh, sold goat milk uh, because we were not equipped for that. And that's the first main thing. And it wasn't part of the business originally. And the second thing is that we are not able to do it. But the second thing is that goat milk and like every meal, you have a very short shelf life. So you need to be able to sell it very quickly to make sure that you have, you know, a good product. And today, all you need to invest in very big equipment to have a longer shelf life. And this is not something that we see currently as an opportunity uh, for us to develop the brand there. There is already like, you know, Summerhill, there is so many like Mayenburg, that our local maker that are doing it, yeah. uh, we don't feel that there is enough room for many, you know, adding extra extra person here. Yeah, no, I trust you. You're the expert. Okay. <laughs> but actually, it's where after the only thing, it's farmers market could make sense and could be an opportunity mm-hmm. because farmers market, it's you have that direct connection to the consumer, right. and so you're sure on how the logistic is mm-hmm. handled because on goat milk, if your logistic is not right you will have bad taste. Mm-hmm. And this is something that for us, we don't want to take you know, much risk there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like for the Marine French on the brand, you know, as you can see on the, on the shelf, you have many breeds that are just the, the size of, um, of uh, uh, like a slide of brie, mm-hmm. a, cat, a, a cat of a big wheel. And we, we decided to don't go there because when that wheel is cut and wrapped in the plastic, it doesn't breathe anymore. So right. that means slowly your rind is dying. And so you cannot control the quality as much as a whole wheel that is packaged in the proper plastic film. It's a film that has little holes. It's a really cheese paper that has really little holes and that allows the cheese to breathe. So it's really technical there and we don't want to take any risk. Uh, because we know that all the logistic part is not in our hands and we cannot control that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, so, sorry, I'm wondering, I'm, I'm wondering where you buy your cheese locally. 
So <laughs> I have to say that I buy matches. I love Petaluma Market. Ah, okay. Petaluma cool. Market has a really nice selection of cheeses. Uh, so I really love uh, going there. Sonoma Market also, a very mm -hmm. nice selection of cheese. And after, sometimes I go on, um, when I want, <laughs> sometimes I go directly to the distributors because you know what, I'm French. <laughs> uh-huh, that makes a lot of sense. Now, wait a minute. Do you even pay for that or are you just picking them off of the shelves? No, I pay for that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so we have, over the years, um, Laura's Chanel has been so good to us. I mean, we um, we shared the cheese at our outstanding in the field meal. Yes, um, a year ago. It's it was like a year ago last month, which is so crazy. And also at our twenty year anniversary party, we had the cheese on the table, and just such a you know such a nice community that we just love so much our partnership. Um, the when I'm when I think about Marin French, I love that breakfast cheese. I mean, the name is genius. Um, you know, I still it, it's very European. You know, for people to have cheese at breakfast. I mean, any <laughs> inn or little hotel that serves a buffet breakfast, there's always cheese. You know, and it's not something you would typically see. I don't think in the U.S. as much. Um, but I, it brings so many memories to me when I get that cheese because it's just like what it would what it would be like if I was in Europe. I, I just love that. Yeah, but and do you know actually the story behind the name? No. Oh my god! Because this this so you know there is three iconic cheese, well, three cheese that are very uh, big at Marin French. Uh, I always start like that. So the, the petit breakfast, it's actually the one that has put Marin Frenchies on the spotlight and that has been the initiator of what Marin Frenchies is today. And the story go back in, um, in the gold rush. You know, during the gold rush, when the miner were like, didn't find gold, went back to the dock of San Francisco uh, and to work uh, at the dock of San Francisco. And so at that time, the breakfast for the dockers was egg, was like fermented egg on the dockers. And they wanted like, they needed, you know, like high protein breakfast uh, to have their hard day and go fast. Mm -hmm. And when all those miners went back to the dock, to the dock, it actually created an egg shortage. And uh, Petaluma was the town providing all the eggs at that time for the dockers and the fermented eggs. And, but they were egg shortage. So they were looking for a high protein source that they could have for breakfast. And it's how actually Thompson family, who is the founders of Marine French, seen that the, an opportunity to sell his cheese. And so he sent right away a month of cheese to the dockers, but the cheese, um, so that was for the breakfast, but the cheese didn't ask, it didn't take the time to age the cheese because usually you spend, you know, like a couple of weeks in the aging room to have the rind grow. So he sent out the cheese right away, right after molding. And so it's how it looks. It's a fresh, so he sent out a fresh brie that was not aged. Mm -hmm. And it was for the breakfast of the Dockers. So it's how the came name, the, yeah. the name is coming from Petit Breakfast because it's in honor of what 
has been starting that product and everyone loved it. And so he said, okay, I'm not going to age my cheese. I'm just going to send them right back. <laughs> and it's a fresh breed, which, which you will never see a fresh breed. No, it's amazing. In no country you will see that. So it's really yeah. funny. It's really it's iconic. That. Yeah. It's, it's really well, you know, like you have the, you have that uh, pioneering spirit where of, you know, that you have really, really unique in California and where people are taking opportunities and transform them in business. Mm-hmm. It's just an amazing, uh, you know, amazing story that we can see around like, like several times. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I just want to eat cheese all day today. Yes. <laughs> I know. So um, how are you working from home pretty much? Or are you going in at all? I'm, I'm going in at, yes, I'm going in and we are doing back and forth depending on the day. Uh, right now with the new lockdown, uh, we are, you know, we were more mostly back at the office during the past months, but now with the new lockdown, we're going back home and we go in the office really when we need something really specific. Um, you know, like if we have like tasting, it's hard to do a tasting. <laughs> i'll have to give you a wave you know where i make my wine is is i can see you guys um i'm in one of those warehouses if you look out your window oh really <laughs> and i can okay. smell i can smell you guys all the time Cool, come, stop by. Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe next year. Maybe not the right time, sorry. Right. Yeah, right. No, it sounds like Sandra got to do the tour. I'm jealous. I think that would be no, fun. No, it was so much fun. I loved it. And Sandra, loved t- it. I think it's 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 important to tell people how you guys serve your cheese on your cheese board, how you serve the Laura Chanel, because it's very oh, yeah, unique. Gonna, yeah, I was going to say that. Um, so not right now, because everything is different. Um, but when things go back, we have a goat cheese plate that is just an offering of three different goat cheeses for people. You know, I think it's actually been interesting that people can dive a little deeper into goat cheese where they wouldn't normally do that. Um, but on our regular cheese plate, we do the canal of Laura Chanel Chev, um, Chef Chev. And we drizzle it with a lavender honey. And um, we, I would say we get more compliments on that particular cheese than anything we could put on the board. And I think it's important to tell people at home that are listening, that's not a hard thing to do. It's not like you have to buy a lavender honey. You can just get some dried lavender, mix it in with a little bit of honey and drizzle it over. It's that simple. And it it takes the cheese to another level that you would not believe. Yeah. Yeah. And then on our salad, um, our, our original fig salad, fig and arugula, it's arugula, toasted pecans, um, diced pancetta, which we make in-house, we cure in-house, the Laura Chanel Chev crumbled, and dried figs out of season, Black Mission figs, and in season, any grilled figs, any fresh figs we get from our neighbors that we grill, and actually we brush with pancetta oil before they go on the grill, so they get that salty caramelization. And then a fig and port vinaigrette that um, tosses it all together and 
I don't think I'm missing anything, but that's a, a little salt and pepper. And and it's oh, funny yeah. that you will see that salad on other menus, not just around town, but in other places. Yeah. You guys really because it's it's like the yeah. perfect it's like, balance. Yeah, it is. And, and yeah, for me, I just want people to have um, and I know that like with the staff, I'm like, no, no, no. You got to toss it. I want people to have a bite of every element on your fork at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you know, that's always something about because you want the cheese to be room temp and it's really hard to crumble when it's room temp. Yes. So I like panic when I see um, on Instagram people posting the picture of our fig salad and there's like a clump of the <laughs> Chanel chef oh, poor Jeremy I like text him and I'm like are we still <laughs> yeah uh, there's, there's there's two things you know when you see that salad that and if Saunders around yeah the cheese better crumble it better be room temp mm-hmm. and if there is one little edge of brown on any of that arugula yeah, you better I'll, I'll throw that back. away. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, arugula doesn't brown the way, you know, a field blend lettuce browns. Right. But that is like my biggest pet peeve. I just, because it means that the lettuce was washed and it's been sitting there and it just ox- oxidized. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, yeah, not my thing. Yeah, and to be but you, yeah, it's uh, how you know how you create like uh, you please people. You need to be on the detail. If yes. you miss the detail, it doesn't yes. set you apart, yeah. and that's that's amazing. And I know each time I'm going, I love the fig and agroglass and really literally. Oh, okay. uh, and I'm usually not a big eater of salads. Uh huh. But that one. Yeah, it's not. It's it's definitely more than a salad. I think. Yeah. 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 Well, this was, I know we could keep going, but I want to respect your time. And it's just, you're so amazing. And they have totally the right person for this job. I mean, <laughs> they are so lucky to have you and you're such a great advocate for them. It's awesome. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's always yeah, a pleasure. Yeah, well, We'll have you back. We'll have you yeah. back. There'll be I'm looking forward to have you, you know, back, coming back and go go back to your restaurant. Yeah. And we can rediscuss about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wrote that down. <laughs> and Sandra, Sandra, can we start a new segment on the show at the end of the show? Um, I think this would be fun to ask our guests their go-to meal. Like, and not what, not if you're having guests over what you cook, but for yourself, what is like the one thing that you're, you think you're really good at that you really enjoy eating that you make for yourself at home? Or is it comfort food? Like what you need when you just want your thing, or is it what you're really good at doing? Well, for me, I know there's the the one thing that, that I really enjoy cooking is this, um, um, braised, uh, chicken thighs in coconut milk with curry red potatoes, um, some uh, chipotle peppers, um, a little bit of andouille sausage, um, and then just let it cook for like two and a half hours. And it's one of those things that you can eat that day, but you can also eat it for several days afterwards. It just gets better and better and better. You you know where I live, right? You know, (laughs) you can just drop a pot off. That would be amazing. (laughs) My love of chicken thighs comes from you and the girl in the fig, believe me. Oh, yeah. 
but I'm just curious, like, what do you make at home that you think you do really well that you just really enjoy eating? Me, I love uh, the chakchuka. Wait, what? Oh, chakchuka. yes. Chakchuka, it's like, you know, on the pan, you grill like tomatoes with red peppers, little herbs, onions, and I, I love to crack an egg on it. Crack an egg, and sometimes I do add a little bit of crumbled goat cheese. Uh-huh. My personal touch uh-huh. <laughs> on there. And for me, it's like, it's easy. It's something that I feel good after I eat it. I feel I feel that I have done a good meal. I can sometimes add potatoes, a little bit of potatoes also, but not always. Or sometimes I, I got also the um, uh, garbanzo bean sometimes. I'm doing mixes, but I, I really right. love the chakchuka and with a piece of the piece of bread. Right. Yes. It's, mm. Yes. Yeah. It's really yeah. good. And what does that name come from? Where well, you know, um, Mar- uh, Lee from Preserve, they make a jarred version of that um, really, really fresh. Preserve Farms. Okay. It's actually in, out of Katati. That's where they, right? She's Katati or Pengra. I think Katati, but um, they do a beautiful one in like a 32 ounce jar, I think. And um, it's old, but it's having a resurgence in the name. Yes. I've never heard of that. So that's good. That's great. Okay. I think it's coming from the Middle Eastern. Mm hmm. Okay. It's, it's with uh, like all the hummus and the, yes, you the know, hummus. Kind of like the flatbreads and tabbouleh yeah. kind of part of that whole. And, yeah. And actually for me, I think it's my mother who was doing oh. like uh, doing it. And uh, she, she grew up, uh, she's French, but she grew up in Tunisia and in Tunisia they do it too. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's why I get that uh, inspiration. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, cool. Interesting. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. I'm All not right. telling you mine today. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to think of something really good. Oh, yeah. man. Well, thank you. And then we will send people over to laurachanel.com and the Instagram page and Marin French's Instagram. And Saint-Benoît. We also have Saint-Benoît. Yes, yes, ah, yes, okay, definitely, cool. definitely. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, All right. thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for the time. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you. We are looking forward to having you soon, hopefully. Thank you for the invitation. I'll, yes. I'll bring over a bottle of my wine. It's going to get bottled in uh, late February, early March, and maybe we can do a trade. Oh, my God. It's going to be perfect. You have, you have my cheese. email. Yes. <laughs> right. White, white Roussan. Roussan. beautiful oh. with goat cheese. Ooh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, for those listeners out there, we appreciate you listening. If you want to check out some of our past episodes, you should go to thebikegoeson.com. We'd love to hear your comments and your reviews. You can also see us at theradiomisfits.com backslash thebikegoeson. If you have any uh, recommendations for guests, we'd love to hear from you. And stay safe out there. Happy holidays to everyone. Oh, I saw a great picture this morning on Instagram of rugby. <laughs> Did you turn off? No, no. we're. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. We'll look forward to hearing from you next week.